Some places are relaxing to be, some are depressing. There are places that frighten us and places where we feel safe. We like some places better than others. Place matters, and it matters a great deal in terms of our health. Well, this is a really interesting map which shows the 10% most deprived areas in the UK. And there you have cities such as Birmingham, Manchester, Sheffield. Some of the northern cities and some of the mid cities in the Midlands have very high levels of deprivation compared to the surrounding areas. Dr Helen Lomax is a senior lecturer in the Department of Health and Social Care at the Open University. In her office, she's got three maps which all measure health and well-being slightly differently. So if you live in a poorer place... Um, you're much more likely to have a longer period at the end of your life where you live with some form of ill health, which massively impacts on your ability to live a happy, well life. Poorer places are likely to contain more material threats to health and well-being. There's less adequate housing, less green space, more pollution and busier roads, and these all affect people's health directly. But they're also unequally resourced and offer fewer opportunities. And I think it's really interesting if we think about places like Blano Gwent, which were once strong mining communities, they've been hit by recessions and by the closing of the mines, which has not only eradicated employment opportunities for generations of men and women, but also it's broken the ties that perhaps bound those communities in terms of you know, kinship and generations following each other into certain types of employment. And interesting, the figures for places like Blano Gwent show also that they have high levels of prescription for antidepressants, so people are actually clinically depressed. Looking at a map of life expectancy in Britain reveals something astonishing. In some parts of the south of England, life expectancy is so high as to be comparable to Japan's. But in the north of England, in some parts of Scotland and Wales, it's much worse. More like that of Albania, one of the poorest countries in Europe. Britain has the biggest health inequality divide in Western Europe. It's an even bigger divide than the one in Germany, between the eastern lander and the rest of Germany, where there used to be a wall dividing people. Danny Dorling is Professor of Geography at Oxford University. He describes Britain's health divide as a scandal of our time. Health inequalities in Britain were very wide in the 1920s and 30s, when our economic inequalities were very wide. And then from the 1930s through to the 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s, the geographical gap in the country, from the places where your health was worse to where your health is best, narrowed, and it narrowed almost every decade, so that by the mid-1970s, it mattered very little where you were growing up in the country. But then the inequalities began to rise again, and they haven't quite got back to as bad as they were in the 1930s, but they're heading that way. And so it's a scandal because it clearly was avoidable, it's not something which is preordained, it depends on how you run your country and how you order things. In Britain, as in every other society, life expectancy goes up the more you earn. Health is worst amongst the poor and best amongst the rich. Money certainly matters, but not necessarily as you'd expect. The overall wealth of developed countries is actually irrelevant in explaining their differences in terms of life expectancy, as Professor Richard Wilkinson, author of The Spirit Level, explains. Whether they're like the USA and Norway, the richest countries, or whether they're only half as rich, like Greece and Israel and Portugal, it makes no difference to life expectancy whatsoever. So income looks very important within our societies, but appears amongst the rich countries no longer to matter. 
And the explanation of that is that within societies, what we're looking at is the effects of relative income or social status, where you are in relation to other people, and indeed how big the gaps are between us. I'm digging to China. It's a wet Wednesday afternoon on a suburban estate close to the centre of Milton Keynes, and an enthusiastic group of local children are planting in the community garden. Nearby, in the community centre, others are making willow sculptures. So now you want to untie the string? Oh, was you supposed to untie the string? Yeah, oh, you I could just take tucked the... mine in and carried on. Well, <laughs> this estate is well laid out. There's lots of green space and a strong sense of community. But it's a low-income area, and often people are stigmatised. One resident who'd lived on the estate for years described how her husband was recently subject to abuse because of where he's from. So I think a lot of people in these areas do face that as well, where people look down on them because of where they live. Feeling you're not valued, having low social status is stressful. And when we suffer chronic stress, changes occur in our physiological, emotional and behavioural responses. And research shows that these changes increase our likelihood of disease. We all become filled with those self-doubts that maybe I'm boring, unattractive, socially gauche, whatever it is, people think you're stupid. We all have those doubts, and I think it's those sort of low levels of chronic stress, those kind of social anxieties, which are important in the health of whole populations. And we now know that even low levels of chronic stress affect death rates. And have you trimmed it? No, no. No, I just kept woven. But one way to counter that is through strengthening our social relationships by doing the very activities that are going on in the community garden here today. Um, it's all about sort of making stuff, enjoying yourself, having fun, connecting with each other, and learning new skills. I come there every day to do some reading. Most of the time when I do come out, most people are playing football in the, in the garden. Social relationships are critical for promoting well-being and act as a buffer against mental ill health. National surveys of mental illness amongst adults aged between 16 and 64 in Great Britain show that the most significant difference between people who suffer from it and people who don't is social participation. And, of course, having a low income does not help one participate in the things that make you feel good about life. So if you don't have much money, it's obviously really difficult to get out and about. Um, you perhaps can be isolated. Since the 1970s, inequality in income has got worse in Britain and it's impacted dramatically on our health. Today, we're at a turning point. For almost 100 years, life expectancy has been going up at different rates, in different places, but always upwards. But recently in Britain, we've been recording falling life expectancy for some groups, poorer men in Glasgow. Professor Danny Dorling again. The last time we ever recorded falling life expectancies in Britain were in particular areas in the 1930s, when mass unemployment hit those areas, but also when there were particular pit disasters that meant that one area suddenly saw its life expectancy fall. So it's quite dramatic that we're beginning to see, only just beginning to see, falls again. And so people are watching for what happens in the next few years.
The Open University. For more information, go to www.open.edu/itunesu.